Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host of the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together, tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. I'm so excited today to have Katie Haas with us. She is the Director of Consumer Protection Division in Utah. We'll be talking a little bit more about her. You know what? Being a consumer can be scary. And so we're tackling all those fears today with her on the podcast. We're so excited. Hang in there with us. We're going to have a moment for our sponsors. We're so grateful for them. They make it so this podcast can come to you for free every single week. So hang in there, listen to our sponsors, and then we'll be next with Katie. Have you ever felt scared swiping your card at a cash register, not knowing if it would be declined or maxed out on your credit limit? Believe me. I've been there, holding my breath, waiting to check out. Thankfully, all of that fear melted away and turned into confidence when I took a financial literacy course. The PowerPay Money Master course has changed my experience at the cash register from fearful to fearless. The online course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. USU Extension is offering a free Money Master course to all Full Confidence Ahead listeners. Go to extensioncourses.usu edu slash Powell and add the Money Master course to your cart. The link will give you the $40 course for free. You can also get the course discount by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category. Use the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N with no spaces at checkout to claim your $40 discount and free course. As a podcaster and a one-woman show, it takes a lot of time to record, edit, and produce my episode. There is no way I could run my podcast on my own if I didn't have Podflow. Podflow is an AI-based podcasting tool that enhances audio recordings, writes show notes, and makes audio timestamps all within literally minutes. It's given me the power to be a one-woman show by giving me back my time. If you have your own podcast or are considering making your own, head over to podflow.ai to create your account. Podflow will give you a free trial to get just a taste of their product. And when you're ready to purchase their product, it's affordable and purchased by the month. So you can go month by month with your podcasting process. Get ready to podcast like me and get your Podflow account at podflow.ai. Okay, Katie, we are so excited to have you on. Thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Let me just introduce you to our podcast listeners for a moment. Your bio is just so impressive and so expansive, and it's just an honor to have a little bit of your time today. So for our podcast listener, Katie Haas is the Director of Consumer Protection Division in Utah, and she's been that since October 2022. And prior to her appointment there, she served on uh, as a counsel to several consumer goods companies, primarily focusing on development policy and legislation at the state and federal levels with an emphasis in free enterprise, consumer behavior, and consumer protection. So she has been protecting you for a long time. So everyone needs to be thankful for her. But she also um, provided legal services to several federal agencies when she investigated workplace discrimination claims um, and rendered administration 
administrative decisions, which we're so grateful for that. So she did her undergrad in economics and political science at the University of Vermont and then earned a law degree in J. Rubin Clark Law School. So we are so excited to have you here. We are just grateful. You have a passion truly for developing practical policy, not just any policy, but truly practical policy that helps us in defending the rights of the consumer at large. Like that we are thanking you. There's one voice here. You can't hear me all the voices of the podcast listeners, but we're like, Katie, thank you. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. So we are so grateful for you. Katie, I just want to start us off. What even made you interested in going this practical legal route? That's I, I'll kind of define it like that. Okay. Well, I think, um, so I was one of those people who probably knew I was going to be a lawyer from the age that I was four because I started life arguing with people. Um, I, I came from a home that um, welcomed um, open dialogue and thought and challenging opinions, um, probably more than my parents liked at times, especially in public. Um, but I think I had a knack for standing up for people who uh, didn't have the ability or desire or um, courage maybe is probably a better word to stand up for themselves. I I lack um, some sort of fear trigger that most people have when it comes to speaking my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the one hand, I feel like there's a lot of people who can be taken advantage of um, by people who are in positions of power. But on the flip side, I think sometimes uh, people have to be aware and 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 read and investigate and learn. And so there's kind of a buyer beware balance. And so I have a general philosophy that um, policies for companies should be practical, understandable. They need to be able to operate. We want to have a thriving economy. Um, but on the other hand, when you get um, into a position of power and you've got more knowledge than the average consumer because you're the company and you know, for example, the chemicals you're putting into your products, um, there is kind of a, a responsibility that you have to the consumers at large to be fair and honest about what information you're putting out there. And, and not deceive consumers into purchasing things that are not um, honest, I guess, is the way I would describe that. So there's kind of a balance in there because we want goods and products. Um, I like my shampoos. I like my face products. I like um, my clothing. I, you know, I, I, There's lots of things I enjoy. I like my skis. I'm in Utah. I love to ski. But at the same time, when they tell me that these skis are going to make me the best skier in the world, I, you know, I have to kind of research that and know if that's going to be true. That is fascinating. So basically you turn a strength from your youth into a career and then package it together. That's that's just fascinating with, um, I, I love your balance. This is why I think you're such a great person to talk to with this practical policy, the balance between, yeah, we need goods and services. And yes, we need to be protected. Like there's these two sides of balancing that. How do you go about creating balance between the consumer and between those who are creating a product every single day? Do you do you tend to feel like one is prioritized over the other and that's what creates the balance? Or how do we how do we juggle that? Yeah. So I think um companies and um the individuals who create products and um they I think the power balance is favored towards them. Generally speaking, they they have built something, they know that 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 product, say, for example, inside and out or that service inside and out. Um, and then they they take that product and they put it out to the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very powerful voice in lobbying. 
um, in the and the money that they have, whereas the individual consumers are all kind of disenfranchised. They're all separated out, right? So, Katie, I'm this is the first time I'm meeting you. I don't know what products you like. You have a beautiful mural in your background. You have headphones on. You have, you know, you have things that that call to you and attract you. And what it is for me might be different, right? But there's basic products that we all need um, and that we all enjoy. And then, but we don't necessarily talk, right? So I don't necessarily know how you're feeling about a product, if it really worked for you, if it didn't work for you. So we want to make sure that consumers also have a voice, mm -hmm. right? And so I think I probably come at it a little more strongly from the consumer side, only because they don't have as big of a voice um, in an ability to kind of come together and see it. Whereas when I get multiple complaints at the Con Division of Consumer Protection, which by the way, if you have a complaint, you can check out our website at dcp.utah.gov. Um, and it's a place where you can file complaints. And you can learn more about what we do. Um, if I have a lot of people who all come to me and they say, hey, we all bought this product. They don't necessarily know each other, but I'm a central place for that, right? Mm -hmm. So the division is a central place where all of a sudden we go, okay, there's one complaint that might just be a misunderstanding between the consumer and this company. I get 10 complaints and I'm like, that's not a misunderstanding. There's something happening here where maybe the company needs to go about the way that they're advertising their product or marketing their product in a different way. And so that's, that's where we step in and kind of act as an intermediary between the company and the consumer, right? And saying to the company, hey, you're out there, you're saying these things to the consumer, but they're hearing something different and we need them to understand, the consumer to understand what it is that they're purchasing. And so therefore we're gonna ask you to maybe change or shift and, or in some cases, if it's a violation of the law, our, our, we have a very nice Consumer Sales Practices Act, which prevents deceptive practices in the state of Utah. And so when people are dishonest or deceptive, we we can tell them, hey, you got to stop it and knock it off. And so I we use that statute quite frequently um, to kind of help people understand what is acceptable behavior in marketing and advertising in particular and what's not. That's fascinating to me. Is it mostly dealing with products that are false advertising or just misleading? Or is it also dealing with things like, wow, you're putting this into your product, like a certain substance that that is harmful to a consumer. So is it like the creation of the product or is it mostly the marketing? Um, I think it's at the end of the day, what they're con communicating. It, it can be all of that. Um, we tend to focus a lot on um, services and goods that people mm -hmm. have promised that maybe um, isn't what the consumer thought that they were getting. So we have a lot of um, deceptive acts and practices that occur in, for example, the construction space. Um, unfortunately, the solar space, uh, you know, solar paneling, there's really good actors out there. I don't want to discourage people from engaging in the economy, but really, if you're going to buy solar, understand what it is you're buying, understand how it's going to work, read those contracts really carefully. Um, we see this a lot in um, sometimes with people who purchase a product, but then it never comes. It never gets delivered, that kind of stuff. So there's not necessarily deceptive in the actual product, but it's something that's deceptive in in what they've been told they're going to receive. And we've all, and we all fall prey to this. I think sometimes there's a lot of shame in um, when people make a mistake maybe and feel like they've been scammed and they don't wanna report it because they're embarrassed. Um, I always tell the story about my fake Maui gins that I bought off of a Facebook ad that I thought was super real and I was super excited to find my Maui gins at 50% off. 
um, only to have them come from China and be a totally different flimsy. They sent me something, but they were these flimsy, terrible, not Maui Jin um, glasses. And so, no, it's okay. Cause I, I, I'm literally director of consumer protection and it got scammed. So it's okay. And that's my point is we have, um, we have over 15 um, investigators at our division who all have their own personal stories, all have stories about their parents, um, you know, their computers being shut down, whatever it may be. But for younger people, you know, under the age of 35, even under the age of 40, um, the scams that we fall prey to are mostly things that you're going to see on social media, that you're going to click that link to buy something and it's, and it's not going to be real or it's not going to be what is advertised. I'm just going to bring that up with you and about asking how social media has kind of cons changed consumers. Because I've noticed that a lot with myself. I've been really careful about my social media time the last month because I've realized that this is my little background story. I bought my sister a, a birthday present, uh, not on social media. Algorithm was super awesome. Realized what I was searching was popping up with things that I thought suddenly I'm like, oh, this is even better than what I bought. So I was tempted to return what I bought her and buy something else. Then I'm like, wait a minute, I chose something. This is like changing my choice. And that kind of scared me a little bit. And I realized how much I had already bought off of social media. And yes, some very chintzy stuff and some things that actually work. Like it definitely has like varied, but it scared me a little bit with social media. So talk to me a little bit about how social media has influenced um, consumers for good or for bad um, and what's happening there. Well, yeah. So actually, our division is tasked with overseeing the new social media regulation acts, which are really about young people and access to mm -hmm. social media. But in learning about social media, we've really begun to understand how they're using those algorithms. And one of the things that they're very honest about, well, I'm not going to say they're very honest about, but one of the things that they have shared with us is that their algorithms um, are designed to help you in your shopping experience, right? So how I got the Maui Jins, by the way, similar story is I searched for Maui Jins online because I wanted to replace the ones that I broke. And then I didn't purchase that first time off of the official Maui Jin site. And then Facebook started to show me over and over again, a Maui Jin discount. And then it turned out it was a scam. And I reported that to Facebook and hopefully they took down that bad actor. But um, the algorithms are designed to help you in theory, find good shopping experiences to call it down. Um, Amazon does this when you when you go in and you start putting in products, right? They'll show you similar products that you might like. Then you'll notice they start showing up in your Google searches and your social media searches. They, they all kind of have figured this out. And the idea is to find you the product that you're looking for faster because they want to remove the friction of you purchasing. Um, and so, yeah, you should be careful um, about what it is that you're putting even in a search term, because those are those cookies that are traveling all through space um, and the internet and kind of helping people figure out what you want. Mm. But that doesn't mean that every single one is a scam, but you really wanna look at those website, um, the website browser links, maybe exit out of social media, go back in through uh, your web browser to the official sites. Um, you wanna read reviews. Um, the FTC, the feds um, passed, the Federal Trade Commission passed a law called the Consumer Fair Review Act. That's something that we also have the authority to enforce. It's the idea that the companies are not supposed to be taking down bad ads or bad reviews of their products. Mm -hmm. um, if it's their website, they can do whatever they want. But generally speaking, um, they should not be pulling off ads. 
about products um, and so that, or not ads, sorry, your reviews of products. So, um, but it's good to go, you know, look at the reviews and make sure you think that they're all legit before you purchase a product. That is so fascinating to me. So back to that algorithm, sometimes that scares me a little bit. And sometimes I'm like, this is great. So, because it's like, okay, sometimes the computer knows me better than me. And that's yeah. a little freaky, but it's also in some ways like, hey, I found me what I needed. So is this technology scary or good or a little bit of both? Always a little bit of both. Um, it's definitely streamlined uh, many of the things that we do and our and our timeline. I think it's a little scary sometimes because I purchase things because there's no friction. Um, I think of it and literally a minute later, I find myself on Amazon purchasing it. And that's or Walmart, even now online or Costco or whatever it might be. It, it's amazing to me how quickly I can have things delivered to my door without that friction of having to drive to the store and go. Um, and so I think, I think like all things, it can be used for good and it can be used for evil. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think learning at a young age how to appropriately engage with social media um, in particular and the internet in general is something that I know as a parent I'm struggling with now with my kids, right? Um, and that addictive nature of it is there, right? And the harms that we're seeing to kids are there. Uh, our young women with their image, their confidence, um, their expectations of themselves, our young men similar, um, but also, you know, uh, you're introduced just to so many more things at such a young age. And I, and I don't think that that's great for our society. And I think the studies are showing that now that Surgeon General's warning about this. I mean, so I think we as a society have to wake up and put some boundaries mm -hmm. on um, social media and um, the internet in general, because of the harms that we're now seeing in young people, and particularly now people who've grown up with it in their 20s, we're learning from them. Um, and so hopefully the next generation, we can we can do better by them. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's interesting. So I feel like I'm that generation that grew up with, well, we're kind of the adults with social media. And um, it's interesting talking to friends and stuff. People don't really know where or how or what to do setting boundaries. I think we all kind of see positive and negatives of it and can critically analyze. But being able to be like, okay, this is how I'm going to navigate this is still a struggle. So where would you start with that? If if it was just you, you're you're kind of setting boundaries and and good things, how would you navigate um, your relationship with social media? Um, so I think I, I do try to navigate my relationship with social media and I try to do it with my kids. I have a, a son who's fully off it. Um, mm -hmm. He's uh, 17 and kind of on his own just realized how detrimental it was to his time. And so he's reading a lot more um, and he just came to one day and said, I'm off. I just, I can't, mm -hmm. I think, and he's kind of a philosopher and he was saying that he feels the the loneliness, right? Like he feels lonely because people are on social media, but they're not actually connecting. It's a fake connection, right? Like it's not real. Well, the things that people are putting on there are their best version or what they want you to perceive of them, but they're not necessarily honest conversations. They're not interactive in the way that humans are supposed to interact. And so my my idea is just get off it. Like you almost have to, have a break from it or set your own boundaries with it and then find a way to get outside. We're in Utah. There's tons to do. It's a phenomenal state. Get outside, get your friends, text them all, you know, go on Facebook and or Instagram or whatever and say, hey, let's all go on this hike. Let's all get off. 
Um, I lived in Idaho for a while. And I think one of the glorious things about Idaho is there's still places without internet and without uh -huh. Wi-Fi or cellular. And so it was a different experience when I would literally shut off and nobody could reach me. You aren't waiting for the dopamine hit of even a, I'm not even talking social media, I'm talking a text, right? And you literally have to just kind of be with yourself or be with the people that you're with and that's your focus. And I think we're losing that as humans. And so I think it's just so important to get off yourself, but then like you need like a team, right? Mm -hmm. Like y'all kind of have to, it's like a diet. You almost want to all do it together, right? And say, okay, we're all going to just go to dinner. We're all going to keep our phones in our bags. They're not going to be on our table and we're not going to selfie it. We're not going to post it to make the people who weren't with us sad and jealous. We're literally just going to go to dinner and enjoy dinner together. We're going to go on this hike and we're going to enjoy it and all phones are out, right? And right. and so it's just, I don't know, those are my ideas, is, but the goal is to start weaning off of it is so that you can enjoy life, like actually live the life that you're hoping to portray on social media. I love that advice so much. And sometimes it's so crazy. You're like, wow, we really are so wrapped in that because sometimes that can seem scary. Like it's just getting off your phone. Like it shouldn't be that scary, but that addictive nature takes over in us. The last couple of weeks I've just gotten off social media and I feel a difference. It's crazy. I didn't think my usage was even bad per se, but holy cow, did I realize I was falling into comparisons. There was time traps, even if it was three minutes here and there, Instead of being creative, anytime I was bored, it was like, fill it, fill it, my brain with information for three minutes. And it it's exhausting to my brain. It was crazy to kind of weed that out of my system. So I love that start. Um, that is fascinating. Just remember when you're breaking a habit, like mm -hmm. all the studies have shown, you have to fill it with something else, mm. right? Like you can't just say, oh, I'm not going to doom scroll anymore and then have nothing else to fill that time because you are going yeah. to lapse, right? So any new habit that you're, especially if you're trying to break a bad habit, um, you have to break it, but then you have to put something in its place, right? Mm -hmm. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like, call your friends, do a hike, go get out, go do other things. Because if you don't figure out a way to fill that time, and I just want to note, the, the Surgeon General has talked about this. We have a loneliness epidemic in our society right now. And so if you're feeling lonely, I promise you so many other people are also feeling lonely. We all are grappling with this. So if every single person started with themselves and said, okay, I'm lonely, but maybe if I reach out to another friend that I know and say, hey, how are you? And just start a text thread with them or a phone call and then invite them to go do something. Not only am I going to solve my loneliness problem, I'm going to solve their loneliness problem, at least for a moment, right? And if everybody did that, one, we'd get off social media as much. And two, I think we could cure our own epidemic. Mm-hmm. I am so interesting. You said that I just had a conversation yesterday with a friend who lives out of state and was here for a second. Loneliness is so real. I've faced it too. And definitely, I think the comparison from social media tossed me into that. And it's been so good being off of that. And then talking to this friend of, oh my gosh, like so many of us are facing this loneliness. I love that word loneliness epidemic. Um, and yeah, social media is so artificial with connection. It's not connecting at all. It's just like almost this pride propagating of like, here's what I've done. A log of like done, did, but it's not true connection. 
And that's just fascinating to me. I want to jump back into a question. This this stood out to me from a few minutes ago, and I really just want to ask this to you. Uh, you talked about having less friction in the consumer process. That is so interesting to me. And I want to know how you've seen that shaped our economy. Because that's a awesome and scary to me of where I know I've seen myself and use my money differently. And I've had to be more careful because I'm not holding money anymore. It's just automatically in a site. And it's like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have bought that. Like, oops, you know. And But then also things where I'm like in school and need my textbook tonight and it'll come on my porch super quick. So talk to me a little bit about how you've seen that shape our economy. Um, well, I think you see a lot more um, ease of consumerism for sure, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I look around my house sometimes and I'm like, I mean, I can't speak to the economy in general. I'm not a, an economist. I haven't like studied the, the numbers. So I, I don't want to go outside of my lane. Um, but I just look around my own house, right? And sometimes I'm like, why don't I have more money in my bank account? And then I'm like, cleaning up my kids toys and I'm putting away the Legos and I'm like oh I'm like this is why I literally everything in this house is something that I have personally purchased and so like Katie you don't have a retirement account I mean I do have some but and I strongly encourage young people to you know put away but I look around my house and I'm like oh did I really need that new headboard for my bed did I really need that new whatever it is, that new blanket in the 18 basket, you know, basket of 18 blankets that I have. I mean, this is, I, I mean, we do this, right? And so um, it's interesting because in, I'll, I'll just be personal, in coming from uh, the private sector to government, I, I took a salary decrease because I was really passionate about this. Not that I'm that great of a person, but I really wanted to do this job. And so I've had to reshape my consumerism and really look at my my wardrobe, for example, and go, okay, I have 10 pairs of black pants. How many black pants do I really need? And do I really need to now go to even TJ Maxx or Nordstrom Rack and buy another pair? No, the answer is no, I do not, right? And so I have been having this year right now of trying to consume less. Like it's a conscious decision to suit, partly because I don't want to go into debt. And so I'm saying, okay, I've got to consume less. My friends are not going to notice I'm, if I'm wearing the same six, but same black pants 18 days in a row, right? They're not going to notice if I'm wearing the same right. jeans. They may notice the same top every day, right? But these are the equations that when I go to work every day, I'm like, oh, you know, like how often can I wear the same suit and, you know, pull this off? Or how can I mix and match it and make it a little bit fresh or wear a different necklace that I have, but sticking within my, within my wardrobe. And so I do think coming out of the pandemic or in the pandemic, there was a lot of just instant purchasing because we were reshaping our home life, right? Um, but I think as the economy has changed a little bit, I, I think people are, are waking up to their consumerism to some extent and they're going, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't need all this stuff, hmm. right? And so we we talk a lot about the division about being a wise consumer, you know, and, and that's more about watching for red flags when someone's approaching you, um, maybe a door-to-door -door salesman or online, um, you know, investigate, set boundaries. And the set boundaries one is the one I'll focus on here. The, the WISE is an acronym, right? So watch for red flags, investigate, set boundaries, and um, explore um, or examine the fine prints, mm -hmm. right? Those auto renews will get you every time. Like be yeah. really careful when you're signing up for something and those auto renews are there, right? Or if you have a long contract, unfortunately, you are going to be responsible for the things in that contract. So you got to read at least the key terms in the beginning of the contract. Um, but you should read all your contracts. I'm not discouraging that. But 
really understand what you're what you're agreeing to. Um, but setting boundaries is is one for us about it's really about money and knowing your own finances and saying, is this something I really need? Right? Mm -hmm. Is this is this just a want? Is it a need? And what what is the opportunity cost of that money? If I purchase that pair of pants, does that mean I'm not going out to dinner mm -hmm. tomorrow night? Right? Am I not saving for my retirement? Which doesn't sound as exciting. I get that, but so these are the things like know what your your financial limits are. If your friends say, "Hey, can we go to this restaurant?" and you're looking at that menu ahead of time, you're like, "Dang, that's an expensive restaurant." You know, you can set your boundary and say, "Look, I'd love to go to dinner with you, but could we eat here instead?" or or look at the menu ahead of time to know what you're going to purchase off that menu, um, or just say, "Hey, not not me this time," right? But we have to have boundaries and we have to set them for ourselves. And for those of us who've got kids, it's important. I talk to my kids very frankly about this stuff mm -hmm. um, because I want them to understand the opportunity cost choices I'm making all the time. I could buy that for you now, but that's a hundred dollars. It's not going into your college education with them, right? Or it's not going into the clothes that you want to go back to school with, right? So it's, it's making some of those decisions and talking honestly about it with my kids. I love that. And I love that advice too, both for ourselves personally with that wise and being a little bit more aware as a consumer. And also like that parenting advice is huge that I have loved our conversation so much. You've made me think a lot about my consumer choices. Um, it also gives me confidence of when things happen to know where to report it. I want to ask you the question that we always ask our guests as we wrap up. And that is what is one piece of advice you'd give your younger self to boost your confidence? Um, I probably would go back to my older self, my younger self and say, um, I should worry less about what people think of me. Um, get rid of toxic people in your life early on, mm -hmm. like find people who are going to be your cheerleaders and who support you, but are honest. You don't want friends who lie to you. Like you want friends who are honest with you, but because they have your best interest in mind. Um, and then um, I would just say, take every opportunity you can to learn and grow and don't be afraid of change. Mm -hmm. Life is all about change. You can't stop it. So when opportunities come, just walk through the door, take them and, and it's going to be okay. I, that is, this conversation has been so fulfilling to me and I know to our co podcast listeners, Katie, thank you so much for being on with us. I want to make sure though, that website that you talk to us about when we have either a fraud or a scam or something's wrong with our consumer products, where do we go again? So you're going to go to D as in David, C as in uh, Charlie and, and uh, P. So the division of consumer protection, dcp.utah.gov. So dcp.utah.gov. Perfect. And on that website, we can discover a little bit more about what you do and also report products, correct? Uh, report uh, services, products, anything where you feel like you've been in deceptive um, in what you've, the good or product or service that you've received. But there's lots of statutes on there so you can check it out. We, we cover a lot of things. That gives me so much more confidence too, just as a consumer, because man, scams happen. Like they are out there. They happen to know someone's advocating for me, can help me, can shut it down for someone else. We just thank you so much for the work you're doing. We thank you for your time. It has been a joy. I am re-listening to this podcast like a billion more times because so many thoughts came in my mind as we were talking. So thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Good luck out there. 
After every episode, I'm amazed at what each of our guests have accomplished in their lives. They inspire me to go for my dreams and seize opportunities. The reality of life is that every opportunity and dream has a financial implication, and knowing how to manage and grow your money will not only help you achieve your goals, but also get to them faster. Utah Money Moms has been a resource for me to learn how to better manage my money and turn my dreams into reality. Their website is full of interactive material to engage all learning styles. My favorite resource is their free monthly webinars where I can listen and have my questions answered by financial counselors and educators. Head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to access free empowering material. Again, that is utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.